0: of Effectively Wild, a baseball podcast from Fangraphs presented by our Patreon supporters. I'm Ted Lindberg of The Ringer and also apparently Spotify. It's been an interesting last 24 hours and I am joined by Meg Rally of Fangraphs, Midweek Meg.
1: Midweek Meg, ju- just of Fangraphs.
0: <laughs> yes, as far as we know. As far as we know.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we are here. To talk about a move that we have been wondering about and anticipating for months now. Mookie Betts was actually traded. It finally happened.
2: It finally happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and even though we have had months to get used to the idea, I never really did. (laughs) And right up until this week when the rumors seemed to solidify... I hadn't completely believed that it was going to happen. I thought the odds were probably still against it because of the caliber of player that Mookie is. But let's lay out the terms. Not that any of you have not heard this by this point. But Mookie Betts is going from the Red Sox to the Dodgers along with David Price and significant cash considerations. As we record, we do not know how significant for Alex Verdugo, the young Dodgers outfielder, and also the even younger right handed Twins pitcher, Bruce Dark Ratterall. This is a three team trade, and Kentamaeda went from the Dodgers to the Twins to complete this trade. There was also a parallel move where the Dodgers traded Jock Peterson with former effectively wild guest Ross Stripling to the Angels with a prospect and the Dodgers got back Luis Renhifo and possibly another prospect or prospects apologies to Jack Peterson but we will probably not be talking as much about him today no. <laughs> so, bigger <laughs> news Mookie Betts sort of stole your thunder Jack Peterson so I don't think we need to debate whether this is a blockbuster <laughs> I think nope. this qualifies
1: yep we got we got Mookie Betts. Yep. So we have a we have Mookie Betts. We have a David Price. Yep. We have three teams involved. Yes. So uh, yeah, blockbuster. Feel very comfortable. Checks up
0: all the blockbuster boxes. Yeah, all the blockbuster boxes.
1: We got former award winners. We got. Yep. Multiple teams. We have money for reasons.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, So there's a a lot to discuss here, what this means for these teams competitively, what it means for them financially, and also for the sport as a whole financially, why the Red Sox would make this trade, which really is unprecedented. And and that was the gist of what I wrote about Mookie. We had Bauman on the Red Sox and Cram on the Dodgers. And so I sort of focused on just the sheer improbability of a player like Mookie Betts getting traded and essentially no player with the combination of youth and performance that Mookie Betts has, has ever been traded in the history of baseball. And yes, some of you are thinking Babe Ruth and many Red Sox fans are probably thinking Babe Ruth. Yes, of course he was technically sold or purchased. That was just a straight cash deal. So this is better than that. But uh, there are a couple other purchases like that, like Eddie Collins after the 1914 athletics fire sale. But in terms of trades, There just has never been a player who amassed as much war in the two full seasons preceding the trade and was as young as Mookie at the time of the trade. That's just never happened. And there are some guys who are close. If you want to look at my article, I will link to it on the show page. And I have top 20s for under 28 players and also all players, no age restrictions, but really there's no one who fits the precise description of Mookie Betts who a team has ever traded. And there's almost no one when you remove the age restriction. It's like Roger Clemens is the only player who's been traded fitting that description in the past 80 years or so when he was coming off back-to-back Cy Young years and the Blue Jays traded him to the Yankees. But That was a 36-year-old Roger Clemens, and that was a Blue Jays team that was not going to make the playoffs for another 17 years. So (laughs) there are other factors here that make this even more improbable, because not only is Mookie great, I mean, the second best player in baseball, I would say, and also right in the prime of his career, but everything else in this specific case would lead you to believe that Mookie Betts would be completely off limits, right? A, he's Mookie. He's a model citizen as far as we know. He is a fan favorite. He was drafted and developed by the Red Sox. The Red Sox are the third most valuable MLB franchise. Mm -hmm. Fenway Sports Group, which owns the Red Sox, is the world's Third most valuable sports conglomerate. This is not the team that you would think would be trading a great player, especially because Red Sox have a competitive roster other than Mookie and and could have contended. And then there's also the fact that he recently won a World Series in Boston. Can you imagine? We're, what, 15 months removed from the Red Sox capping one of the most successful seasons ever with a World Series title. And in those 15 months, they have moved on from Dave Dabrowski. They have moved on from Alex Cora. They have moved on from playoff hero David Price. And they have moved on from 2018 AL MVP winner Mookie Betts. That is just almost inconceivable.
1: It's just been a really wild 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I am not in the habit of... I'm gonna say a thing, and it's gonna feel—it's not gonna feel kind, and then I'm gonna try to undo my lack of kindness, and we'll see how successful I am. I tend to not be in the habit of feeling bad for for Red Sox fans, because like they've had it pretty good, and you can only feel so many feelings, and so I choose to spend my my sympathy on folks in greater need.
0: Mm-hmm. Put
1: it that way—it's not that I dislike them; it's just that they're you know. Like uh, the Mariners exist, so <laughs> right. <laughs> but this is a really rough. This is a really rough one to describe. This is the kind of trade that, when you talk about it to a non-baseball fan person, they know the names, right? Yeah. It's that level of recognition, and that's unusual for a baseball player. Full stop. But the, uh, to, to be traded to trade a recent MVP. A delightful hero. Mm-hmm. A great personality. Yep. And to not even offload all of David Price's contract
0: to do it. <laughs> I know. It's... Yeah, so Mookie is at least by baseball reference, War, which is what I was using for my article because Dan Hirsch helped me out with the stats, is the best non-trout player in baseball over the past two seasons, the past three seasons, the past four seasons, the past five seasons, and the past six seasons. And six seasons ago, that was his rookie year when he came up in late June. So he's just been the best, and he's young, and everyone loves him. And It's got to be tough for a Red Sox fan to stomach that news. I mean, whenever a team trades a homegrown franchise player who is really great and almost no one is as great as Mookie... That's tough to stomach because Mookie was already a top ten position player in Red Sox franchise history, and he was climbing that list quickly. I mean, he's just getting started. It's it's six seasons, not even six full seasons. So he was very much on track to be one of the absolute best players in franchise history. He's almost certainly a future Hall of Famer, barring some kind of catastrophic injury, and to lose that guy when you are a big market deep-pocketed, high-payroll team, traditionally. Yeah, This is the kind of move that, if it's made at all, would typically be made by maybe a small market team that can't afford to keep the player or or says it can't afford to keep the player, which I I guess is essentially what the Red Sox are sort of saying here, but we can talk about that. Or it would be Maybe a bad team that knows it absolutely can't win with this player in the near future and figures, well, we'll get what we can. And this is just not that. So I think there are justifications for this move, and sure. we will go through them and try to yeah. explain what the Red Sox were thinking here. But I think it's just an extremely tough sell yeah. to your fan base because your fan base. Doesn't really know Alex Verdugo and Bruce Stark Grado for the most part. And those are good players and former highly touted prospects and, and yeah. promising guys. And you should know them and will know them and they should be good. But when you're trading Mookie bets for really anyone, it's just a, a very tough thing to tell your fans.
1: Yeah, I think anytime you have to stitch together... There's, there's sort of the baseball reality of it, which is that you're right. Verdugo is a good player. We'll get into some of the complications there, I imagine, in a moment. Catterall's a, a very promising pitcher, probably bound for a relief role eventually, mm-hmm. but quite good. But when you are having to stitch together that quality to to reach an equivalence I think it's just automatically a hard sell to a fan base you know Craig Edwards and Ben Clemens both took turns writing about how difficult it really is to sufficiently accumulate value to justify a move like this because Mookie is just so special a player and you know our war agrees with B-Ref's war like he mm-hmm. is second only to Trout in terms of his production since he entered the majors. so so I think it's very difficult to say to a fan base the thing that is holding us back from, you know, retaining this franchise icon and making him a lifelong member of this organization is money, and that is a reality that baseball teams grapple with and we can, you know, we can debate and we probably will how much they should care about that particularly given the resources at the Red Sox disposal, but when all it is is money, and then you raise ticket prices that's a hard sell to your fan base this is a, you know mm-hmm. an organization that every organization in baseball wants to develop a mookie bets Mm -hmm. Every single one. That's the goal. That's the entire goal of having prospects and a farm (laughs) system and player development. That's what you're trying to do is to develop a Mookie Betts. And it's so hard to do that. And it's so rare that an organization achieve it. And then to trade that player away and have a not small part of the motivation for the trade to be salary relief in the immediate term and just a an unwillingness to consider that you might be able to compete for his services in free agency, that's really rough. That's just hard for a fan base. And they don't, you know, Red Sox fans don't have to feel good about that. Like, we'll talk about the players who they got and the promise that they bring and some of the stuff that they can be excited about. But like, this is just going to be one of those trades where they're never going to feel good about it, probably.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, when you trade a player like Mookie, you are almost certainly not going to get a player like Mookie back. I mean, that's just inevitable, almost because there are almost no players like Mookie. Which
1: doesn't that shouldn't that gum up the trade calculus? Yes. Right. Shouldn't that be you're sitting you're sitting around in Fenway? I don't I don't know if the Red Sox front office offices are still at Fenway, but you're sitting around in Fenway and you're like, what do we want back for Mookie Betts? And the list isn't sufficiently long (laughs) to be like, (laughs) yeah, "Yeah, we should pull the trigger on that, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm not saying you need to get a perfect Mookie equivalent back in order to do the deal because you could get two players who are really good. You know, there are ways that it could work out and there are ways even that this could work out. You know, they traded one year of Mookie, not Mookie in perpetuity, but it definitely does give you pause because when you trade a franchise player, In many cases, you're not going to get a franchise player back. And I'm sort of surprised that uh, we didn't have to pretend to be prospect people and prospect experts for this trade. In that sense, it's sort of neat and clean and easy to analyze because these are all major leaguers and players that we've seen play and kind of know what they are, even though Verdugo and Gratterall are still in their early 20s and still fairly early in their major league careers. but Yeah. I mean, Betts is obviously the type of player who, when you get him, you try to build around him, especially if you are a team that can't afford to build around him from all appearances. And yeah, the Red Sox, I, I think they already had the second highest average ticket price. And They are planning to hike that by what I think comes out to about 2% on average across the board, which I guess is just keeping pace with inflation, you could say. But they are also suddenly becoming a less compelling product and less entertaining team. So there's that too. And, you know, I guess it's a small park and they probably have to have prices higher to compensate for that or something. But anyway, it's just from a messaging perspective, we're raising prices and we're trading our best player. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the best combination.
1: Yeah. When I was, I I know that the background imaginations of how we cover a trade like this are, are not necessarily interesting to people, but, you know, like, We knew that this was coming in some form. We didn't quite know when. And there were two possibilities presented for this trade. There was this package or one that looked a lot like this for the Dodgers. And then the other was something involving the Padres. And so, you know... Jay, you're gonna write the the full breakdown great and Dan's gonna Instagram it so people have a place to talk in the comments while they're waiting for the full thing. and I was like, and Eric, you're gonna cover the prospects here <laughs> and then uh, the the deal started to take shape and we started pl- piecing together the pieces to try to you know get a sense of what we were gonna be talking about and I was like, or you can just Send Dan some notes on the prospect in this in this uh, Jack Peterson deal. Uh, I guess uh, you can go finish the Orioles list.
0: <laughs> didn't yeah. didn't need it. It yeah. was yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, while we are sort of scratching our heads at the Red Sox, we should say hey. Dodgers. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Good deal for you guys. You got a player who just uh, should really not have been available available. based on all of baseball history. So the the Dodgers during Andrew Friedman's tenure, they've made some major moves, but for the most part, they've kind of kept their powder dry. They've hung on to their prospects. They have avoided many of the big splashy signings and trades that people wanted them to make. And for the most part, Other than not winning World Series, that has worked out okay, but this time, boy, they got about the best player in baseball you could get, and... Also, they didn't really give up a whole lot. Oh they also, gosh. they also got David Price, who, yeah. uh, even though he is uh, somewhat diminished and there's an injury risk and all that, like he's no slouch. He's not. It's you know sort of a a salary dump that the Red Sox wanted to package him with Mookie. But that's not to say that Price has no value. He he does. So. Yeah. I guess, you know, he sort of replaces Maeda to some extent, but there's still something to be said for David Price to 2018 World Series MVP. Perhaps not quite the pitcher he was then, but still still an appealing player. But yes, to get Mookie and add Mookie to the incredible roster that they already had. (laughs) You can't just add Mookie's projected war total to the— win total that you would have expected for the Dodgers because of course they did give up for Dugo and Peterson and those guys would have been average to above average outfielders too. So it's not like Mookie is replacing a literal replacement player, but still it's a significant several win upgrade to yes. a team that was already the best in the league.
1: Yeah, Dan ran 2020 zips for Mookie, assuming uh Dodger Stadium is his home park. He is projected for 6.7 war. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. if we that
1: don't get, happened, that, that We don't get like a lot his... of zips like that. There are yeah. not a lot of zips that come out with that number. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. And
0: that would be like his worst war total in a, in a, a few while. years probably. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Oh, good gravy. Yeah, I, I will say we can... There are some people we can be happy for. Isn't that nice? We can be happy for the Dodgers. You know, Mookie's going to look great in Dodger blue, like... Gonna look great. Mm -hmm. That team is gonna. That lineup here. Here is. I mean, like this (laughs) might. You know, they'll they'll move stuff around and whatnot. But the Dodgers lineup post trade can now consist of Mookie Betts, Max Muncie, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, AJ Pollock. Corey Seeker, Will Smith, Gavin Lux. It can include Gavin Lux because they didn't have to give up Gavin Lux right. to get Mookie Betts.
0: Or Dustin May or various other players who could have been for included. We- yeah,
1: Ruiz, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> so, so we can be happy for them. We can be happy for David Price because uh, it seems like the the – situation in boston was just getting increasingly toxic for him it's a rough place to have the sort of injuries that he's had on a deal like that so good for david price uh we can be happy for dodger fans because uh you know they spent an off season being mad at the red Sox and the astros and now they just get to be happy about this we can be happy for kenta maeda who's gonna get to start a bunch.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I believe he also had a million-dollar kicker in his contract in the event that he got traded. So that's a nice perk. I don't know how he feels about not pitching on the West Coast, but— That part <laughs> but, is
1: less good, but, yeah. you know, he had that screwy contract that had all mm-hmm. these incentives to be used in relief, and the Twins need starting pitching, and yeah. so he will get to—and he gets to go to a contender. Yep. So that's pretty good. That's pretty nifty. He's got to be psyched about that. And the only people who we feel bad for, Red Sox fans, because they didn't do any of this, and the Red Sox organization made active choices, so they get to live with those now.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about those choices okay. and why they made them. So this is uh, almost a, a raise style trade that yep. was completed by new president of baseball ops or whatever his title is, Heim Bloom. But I don't think we can say that the genesis of this move was with Bloom because uh, the the rumors began before Bloom was hired. And clearly the impetus was not Bloom coming in on his first day and saying, you know what is uh, my number one priority? Get rid of that (laughs) (laughs) that
1: Betts character. I don't know about him. Got to get him out of here.
0: At the same time, this is sort of a race style move because it's kind of uh, like add up the wars, calculate the dollars per war (laughs) type of move. So essentially, Mookie is one year away from free agency. He just got a record deal for a player in his final year of eligibility, so he's making $27 million in 2020, and that will increase next year and the red sox had had some extension talks with him from what has been reported The offers they made him were quite modest, and he was uh, quite reasonable in rejecting them. He has been somewhat open about being willing to test the market, and so it's clear that there's a good chance that he will become a free agent next year. And so for the Red Sox, there was some possibility that if he went elsewhere next winter, all they would have to show for Mookie Betts' departure is a draft pick. Then there's the money that they're saving this year, which, and in future years, because of uh, price potentially, sure. depending on how much money is being sent to LA. And that part of it is just not something that fans really have any incentive to care about. I yeah. mean, I was just looking at a, a Ken Rosenthal tweet, which I will read right here. And he says, Two AL execs tell me criticism of Red Sox is misplaced. Sox get. Bullet point, two talented youngsters with greater value than draft pick if Bets had left as free agent. Bullet point, ability to get under competitive balance tax threshold and reset penalty rate to minimum. And final bullet point, $40 to $50 million in payroll flexibility in coming seasons. So, hey, stop criticizing the Red Sox. They just got $40, 40 to $50 million in payroll flexibility in coming seasons. Catch, uh, catch the fever pitch. Forty to fifty million dollars in payroll flexibility. What could be more exciting than that? I don't <laughs> so, even think that fits
1: on a jersey.
0: No, I, I don't I think don't, you can fit it many on characters. one. Too characters. Yeah, you yeah, would have so, to get
1: very small with your typeface. Would undermine the joke.
0: It's all of those things. It's uh, yes, the Red Sox have run high payrolls. They had the highest payroll in baseball when they won the World Series. They have triggered the most severe penalties in the CBA for spending, so overage taxes on the amounts over certain thresholds and draft picks moving back. And this resets their tax, as we've seen some other teams do. And so in theory, at least, they could be intending to spend in future seasons more because they are resetting the competitive balance tax threshold now. And they're getting two good young players. So if you add up the war that the Dodgers are projected to get from Betts while he is under team control, and you compare that to the war that the Red Sox are now projected to get from Gratterol and Verdugo while they are under team control, then things look like they favor the Red Sox. Because if you look at Dan's aforementioned post at Fangraphs, he has the five-year projections for Verdugo and Gratterol. And both of those guys, it doesn't forecast stardom for either of them. It, it sort of sees them conservatively as fairly averageish players. But even so, if you add up, you know, ten years of average players compared to one year for one of the best players in baseball, in terms of WAR, it's still going to swing toward the the team that's getting the young guys who are under team control for several seasons apiece. So. That's the way that theoretically it could work out or you could justify it. You could say, well, this is one year of bets. Maybe the Red Sox knew or thought that he was going to leave, that they weren't going to have much to show for it. And as it is, they got two pretty good young players who could be around a long time. And I guess you could add that it's a tough division and the Red Sox with Mookie did not make the playoffs last year. The Yankees probably got better this offseason. The Rays are still really good. So even if they had kept Mookie, there is some chance that they would not have made the playoffs with him. And so they figure, well, why uh, fight for a wild card, I guess, if we're going to not make it or, or potentially lose in one playoff game. And then Mookie leaves and then we have a draft pick to show for it. So that's I'm trying to present the Red Sox rationale here.
1: Sure. And I I am not indifferent to that rationale, but I don't find it compelling. (laughs) I should say more than that. That's what we're here to do. I don't find it especially compelling because when you look at this organization, the financial resources that back it are just such that of all the teams in baseball, they should be on that list that doesn't have to make a move like this. And Betts has agency in his free agency, right? And so there isn't a guarantee that he was going to come back to the Red Sox. But a competitive deal to him probably secures that. And I find it very strange that these, you know, especially if they are continuing to pay part of Price's salary, and granted we don't know the exact composition of that portion of the deal yet, but I just... If there was a, a mandate to spend less money, if there was a mandate to shed salary, which presumably there was when Bloom came in, and part of why you hire a guy like I'm Bloom is because he has shown an acumen for this kind of, this form of roster management in the past, right? He was good at this in Tampa. But if you're willing to eat part of Price's salary, isn't there another way that you can offload him, right? If you're willing to, retain some of that money isn't there a way that you can just say you know for a mookie bets we're gonna blow through the competitive balance tax threshold because even at the higher threshold you're buying like a reliever's worth of relief Mm -hmm. so when you put it in those terms when we think about this in terms of the players and not the dollars it feels pretty silly to to let go of you know a pitcher who was expensive and was injury prone but was still productive a franchise player all to get like some relievers worth of salary relief from the competitive balance tax and i know that it's not my money but it also isn't the fans, so we can just spend it because why not right and so i appreciate how within the architecture of a trade like this this is a return that is understandable, right? Some of the mm-hmm. things that they're getting are useful. Some of the pieces that they are getting are useful. But when you talk about it in terms of the players who are involved, what what they have essentially done is trade a franchise player away for a guy who is likely to end up in relief, albeit as a very talented reliever. An outfielder who is very good but who has some some not small makeup concerns associated with him to the point that other teams looking at Dodgers prospects in trade preferred other prospects in the past to Verdugo because they didn't want to deal with the makeup stuff. Mm-hmm. All to get a couple relievers worth of salary relief from the competitive balance tax penalties. And when yeah. you put it like that, it feels not very good. Feels- <laughs> yeah. Feels kinda yeah. great. Although again, Kent Mayeda, he gets to start. So that <laughs> part's
0: nice. Right. Yeah. So <sighs> the thing about Betts is that yes, he's gonna be pricey, but also it's virtually impossible to overpay a right. player like Betts. <laughs> and- right. We've talked about that when Mike Trout signed his extension. And yes, the numbers were very big and the terms were very long term. But because of how baseball's salary structure works, like no one makes $60 million a year. There's sort right. of an essential cap, more or less, at around $35 million or so right now, where even if you are the best player in baseball, you can get that rate for a lot of years, but you're still not really going to blow through that ceiling, apparently. And and Trout, granted, it didn't seem like maximizing his earning potential has ever been his top priority, no. and uh, it's possible that Mookie may be a, a harder line negotiator. But still, it's just really almost difficult to imagine a scenario where Mookie ends up not being worth whatever he will be paid because he's just so good. And when you have a a six win to seven win player, and that's kind of the conservative projection that he has bested on multiple occasions. I mean, think of what that translates to in what we typically say is the going rate for a win for a free agent, like 8 million or or so conservatively. So if we're talking about someone who's close to a seven win player – well, that's a, a $56 million market rate salary yeah. and no one makes, you know, within like 20 million of that. And so if your bets and you're getting what roughly the other very good players in baseball are getting, then you're providing a ton of surplus value in the early years of that deal. So yep. yes, there's a downside for everyone. We will all age and eventually become decrepit. but. If you're Mookie and you're racking up, you know, and I'm putting this in just very uh, plain financial terms, like uh, the Red Sox saving 40 to 50 million dollars in in salary flexibility. If you're racking up, say, you know, 20 million dollars of surplus value per year for the first few years of that deal, then even if for the last few years of that deal, you're not performing at that level anymore and you're still being paid at that level, it's still going to work out just fine. And the team that invested in you is probably going to come out ahead and not really regret its investment, especially if it wins more titles and makes more playoff appearances during that time. So if you want to save money and It's questionable why the Red Sox would be so motivated to save money given just the financial resources behind that team, but if you are determined to save money, I see why you would say, oh, well, Mookie is the natural person to do that with or or Mookie and Price because they are some of the top earners, but – They're not the ones who are not providing a great return on investment. Right, exactly. It's kind of counterproductive.
1: Right, they are providing value far in excess of, I mean, Betts in particular, providing value far in excess of his current contract or any contract that he could sign in free agency next year. And, you know, Betts is going to play out 2020 in LA, and then he's going to hit the market. And the Red Sox are going to look around and be like, okay, so it's the 2021 season and we're getting ready. And who's the best free agent available? Oh, drat, right? (laughs) Like he's going to be the best free agent on the market. and hey, they could
0: go bring him back.
1: (laughs) As an aside, they will not do that, but that would be (laughs) hilarious. And so I think it is important to point out as you have that like – he will not make what he is worth on the open market. No player in baseball does. Mike Trout is underpaid relative to the production that he has accrued and will accrue for the Angels. The same will be true for bets barring some kind of catastrophic injury. And I think that we as analysts and as fans who don't have to worry about writing a check every month, is it a check? Do they get like a direct <laughs> deposit every month?
0: I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like, like uh, I mean,
1: like I'm sure they don't get a paper <laughs> check in the mail that's for like ten million dollars. But like, bring it, it
0: is, to the teller and yeah. say, "Please deposit this for me."
1: Yeah, like, do they get? Are they like? I assume that it's just like payroll, right? They get yeah. like a check every month or every two weeks for mm-hmm. their share. Of... It's
0: just a really, really giant deposit. <laughs> yeah.
1: What a weird job. Anyway, that's not the point that I'm trying to make. I think that we we should always ask. The follow-up question to a team saying we need to get below the CBT threshold in order to have financial flexibility to say financial flexibility in service of what? Because if it's just savings for savings sake... Like they should be rightly pilloried for that because it doesn't that doesn't produce good baseball and that's what we're here for and that's what we should care about. And there are financial realities of the game that we need to understand so that we can put a trade like this in its proper context and evaluate it on both the terms that we care about and the terms that teams care about. So I don't mean to say that that stuff isn't important, but like you you get below you create payroll space. To sign a player like Mookie Betts, like that's what you should be creating payroll space to do. Mm-hmm. And so to use him to then get below that threshold and be without one seems like you're not you're, – you're using the flexibility just to keep money with ownership. And that is a goal of ownership, so it's not surprising that they would be the drivers of a decision like this. But I don't think it's one that we have to be like overly impressed with.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And- so – So if you're the Red Sox and you're trying to tell your fans how great this is going to be, you can't actually say 40 to $50 million right. in payroll flexibility in future seasons. So you have to I, I guess make Verdugo and Gratterall sound good, which they are. That's they not are. that hard to do. No. Gratterall throws a uh, hundred or, or higher and he was going to be in the bullpen for Minnesota. I guess we'll see whether Boston right. considers him a reliever, or wants to try him as a starter. He is sort of a high effort, not smooth mechanics type who has had some, what, shoulder problems arm problems in the past i believe he had a
1: tommy john uh that is behind him and he's had successful he's had successful outings since then uh, yes and has right like that was in the past i think like it was a 2014 or 2015 tj and he was much slighter as a player at that time um and now has sort of thickened out like in a good way he's filled out he's not heavy and you know he such as 102 and he sits in the high 90s and he is a very compelling player and i would imagine that they will at least i mean now they have this hole in their rotation <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So presumably they will at least try him in a starting role at some point, Um, but I think that there is some concern about, you know, they want to manage him in a careful way so that they maintain him physically, and so it could be the sort of thing where, you know, he pitches in relief this year because, yeah, you're right, he did have a a shoulder impingement um, Mm -hmm. last season. So, like, there's, you know, there have been some durability concerns that have been raised by him, but he is very compelling um, and yeah. should be and should be an interesting piece for them um, yeah. He throws one. really
0: hard but also sort of straight I think is the the rep uh, on him it's not the most movement that you would hope for but yeah. still he's 21 he yes. throws a, he throws under hundred two. <laughs> and he has uh, a
1: plus slider and so he's you know he's he is compelling but I think that the combination of the the exact repertoire with the hin- injury history might, um, signify that he eventually ends up in relief, albeit in like a really potentially in a high leverage role, right? But right. still a reliever.
0: Yes. And you have to think that the fact that the twins had expressed their intention to put him in the bullpen Correct. and then they also just traded him for Kenta yes. Maeda, essentially. That speaks to perhaps a certain lack of confidence in his long-term prognosis. So that's something to take into account too. And then Verdugo is a 23-year-old outfielder. You mentioned the makeup concerns on the field. He's coming off a, a year where he was worth two to three wins depending on your war in 106 games. He had not the clearest path to playing time with the yeah. Dodgers because of their incredible roster. So, he was someone who kind of hung around the team for 2 years really, not able to break in and just doing well at AAA and being mentioned in trade rumors and then got his first chance for somewhat extended playing time at the major league level in 2019 and he did a good job with it. He had a, a one fourteen WRC plus. Seems like a, a pretty good all around player. And you know, I don't know if he's uh, expected to be a superstar, but he seems sort of like I don't know, a, a Benintendi type. Is that too pessimistic given Benintendi's recent performance? I don't know, but
1: I think it's on the range of outcomes for him. Mm-hmm. He is a, I mean, he is a good player. I think that the makeup stuff you know, is, is concerning. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see sort of how that plays out. Presumably it's stuff that, you know, the Red Sox were well aware of, but yeah, he was impressive, albeit in a somewhat limited role. Cause he did have some, I think some late season back stuff, right? Yes, I think so. So yeah, like the, the bat's impressive. You're right that he didn't have a, a clear path to playing time, but I think that when trades like well we we have just spent a lot of time saying that trades like this don't happen but when <laughs> when blockbuster trades do occur and you have players who play the same position swapped i always feel bad for a guy who is like not a recent mvp <laughs> because the expectation is that he is going to slot in and perform to the same level as the the player that just got traded because he Occupies the same position. And Mm -hmm. so the comps are quite natural, and they just, however well Alex Verdugo plays, will not be to Alex Verdugo's benefit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And that is not to say that he is not a talented player, but it is simply to say that he is not Mookie Betts. And so as a result of that, it is going to, I, I imagine, be a comp that he comes to perhaps resent quite a
0: bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <you would> think. <laughs>
1: Maybe he should switch to the infield. It might, <laughs> might make that transition a bit smoother. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Speaking of playing the same position, I am kind of curious to see what position Mookie plays in yeah. L.A., because the Dodgers now have two defending Gold Glove right fielders, which is a, a nice situation to be in. But Mookie was always sort of a center fielder who was playing right because the Red Sox had Jackie Bradley Jr. in center and because right field in Fenway is sort of like center field in other parks. It's a, right. a big area of the outfield that's tough to play. So that's not the case in Dodger Stadium. And I wonder what happens there because bellinger has more recent experience playing center and i think he's okay there but betts has played center in the past and maybe his skills lend themselves to center field more naturally so i don't know which way that goes (laughs) if mookie is a a center fielder maybe his wars will be even higher because i imagine he'd be able to handle center field just fine
1: yeah i i would expect so and betts will probably will probably get like I don't know some random weird innings of Mookie Betts at shortstop or something, and all the in it in a way that'll be weird. And but yeah, I would I would expect that they will just try a bunch of different configurations and see which one ends up playing best. And mm-hmm. you know, Bellinger is serviceable in center; it's fine.
0: Yeah, it'd be okay either yeah, way. Having those be. guys next to each other is it's not so bad. So Man, can we just
1: <laughs> take a moment again to like think about this? Can we just think about it for a second? Yeah, because it's. This is the fun part of this trade, right? The Red Sox stuff is a bummer. Mm-hmm. That feels yucky. It feels like a not good thing. And I will say that, you know, the, if we wanted to find, we should do this for, in the service of um, fairness and also to not make the Red Sox fans feel so bad. You know, it's not as if the Dodgers were indifferent to the money, either right, right true I can't imagine that they make the move that they do with Peterson who is also going to be hit free agency at the same time that Betts does I can't imagine that they make that move if it doesn't help them to get under if yeah. not both of the competitive uh, balance tax thresholds at least the second one right so they are they were not indifferent to the money here either no. but far less indifferent they took on a 27 million dollar player and also david price so i think that they were not quite so squirrely about it but Betts, muncie Turner, ballinger pollock oh seeker will smith gavin looks that's
0: like grief. that's like the roster that a fantasy player would have in a 10 team league or something yeah. <laughs> like that's a lineup that you would have I, that's I an guess. all-star team <laughs> Yeah, basically. Like yeah. To almost top to bottom. Almost top to bottom. <laughs> that yeah. is
1: an all star team. If you get to if you get to bat, you know, Will Smith and Gavin Lux at the bottom of your lineup, you have Corey <laughs> Seeger.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Who just gets like forgotten, but <laughs> Corey Seager, yeah.
1: Yeah, remember how Corey Seager is a Dodger and is really good at baseball and yeah. uh was just, you know, dealing with injury and what have you, but will probably be amazing last year and was still a three-win player.
0: Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's, oh, my stars. It's really something. I mean, I, I guess there are still some question marks about the pitching, but, like, sure. not – Not relative to most other teams Just in the sense that uh, Their lineup is unassailable And you can't really find any fault with it But yes uh, they're not Impregnable pitching wise But there's just I mean there's not much More they could do Yes they could have gone out and signed Garrett Cole I I guess but this is A pretty good thing to do If you're not going to do that and Really what we've seen with the Dodgers Is that you can't literally buy A world championship you can buy or at least ensure a much higher chance of continued competitiveness and being a a perennial playoff team but after that all all bets are off can i say (laughs) that uh sorry but
1: we won a really long time and i will say the restraint that I have generally seen around bets and price puns in yeah. headlines. Oh
0: gosh, it's like a it's perfect been, storm. Yeah. It's
1: been admirable, you know. I feel like everyone looked around and decided collectively, "No, no, we shall be above this today," and I'm proud of us. I think <laughs> yeah. we did good.
0: Yeah, that's good creativity and headline writing. So, <laughs> yes, uh, you can't. Uh, it's you can't guarantee anything. Although the Dodgers have come close to guaranteeing themselves an NL West title for what is it the seventh consecutive year is that what we're up to now or is it more than that it's hard to keep track but yeah so you can't say that they didn't try to improve the team they could still very well get to October and things go wrong a few games in a row and that's that it's not like Mookie guarantees you anything but They've certainly put themselves in good position to make a, another really serious run at ending their drought. And Yeah, yeah t- uh, another thing is that when we talked about the new Krasnicks, the Jesse Rogers survey that he did for ESPN in late November, where one of the questions he asked the 15 baseball executives and insiders was which of the three superstars who are rumored to be on the block, Bryant, Lindor, and Betts, will be traded— Zero of the fifteen said bets. It was, you know, seven of one, eight of the other, and right. zero of bets. So I th- I think even most people in baseball didn't think that this would happen at that point just because bets is so great and because again it's the Red Sox and you would expect them to spend to keep their guy. And unless like Mookie said uh, there is no circumstance under which I'm signing an extension, which we have no indication that he did. Right, the Red Sox could and should spend for a guy like that. Like, yeah, yep. you're you're not going to get him to sign, you know, an Evan Longoria deal or something who who signed at the start of his career. But you're you're going to get more than your money's worth, even if you pay him at the absolute top of the market. So, yep. if they say they can't do that, that's uh, very tough to swallow so yeah.
1: did you see in the midst of you know this was this was three teams and multiple players and for a while people thought it was maybe four teams because we didn't realize that the peterson deal was like a separate mm-hmm. transaction and there's all of this you know and ken and jeff and everyone's going back and forth and and in the midst of all of that last night we got a, a Roto World tweet, Braves and Cubs not talking Chris Bright, trade, and it made me laugh out loud. I actually lulled, because I was like, buddies, nobody, no one care about that right now.
0: <laughs> nobody yeah. cares about that right now. Yeah, really. <laughs> Yeah, sorry to to Wilmer Flores for not getting the reaction he was hoping for from from his deal with the Giants. But uh, Yonder
1: Alonso's like, now no one's gonna talk about the contract I signed with the Braves.
0: Big news in baseball, big news in the country. (laughs) Not the best news, also big news in my uh, professional life. It's it's been kind of a wild week. Kylie's
1: first day at ESPN. yeah.
0: Yeah, right. That too. Yeah, it's uh, it's something, and it strikes me that uh, this deal was consummated between two executives who used to work together, two former Rays executives. And this is a week when we saw another Rays executive get hired to be a GM. Yeah. James Click is the new general manager of the Houston Astros. Another former baseball prospectus guy, much like Heim Bloom. So yeah. this has been a a big offseason for. Former BP guys, former internet writers getting hired to run baseball operations departments, which that was – One of the last barriers for internet nerds in that we're well past the point where teams hire outside analysts and internet analysts, but until this offseason we had not seen someone get the top job with a team. It was like people would be analysts and scouting people and even maybe in charge of a scouting department or a quantitative analysis department, but to actually be the public face from a front office perspective of a franchise. That is a a barrier that had not been broken by an internet person. And now we've seen two people topple it. So that's sort of nice as people who do what we do. And Click, of course, is uh, very respected as well as Bloom and, and as Friedman was. And there is kind of an adjustment that one would think has to be made when you go from the Tampa Bay Rays, who are often very good and competitive and smart, but are also working under these ownership-imposed constraints where they spend a lot less than the other contending teams tend to do. And that encourages them to make the type of moves that the Dodgers and the Red Sox don't have the same urgent incentive to do. And so when we've seen some of these guys, you know, Friedman was not coming in and, and totally breaking the bank on signings. He was holding on to his prospects. It was almost like he was still operating kind of as he would have with the Rays, not completely, like they kept Justin Turner and they kept Kenley Jansen and they kept Clayton Kershaw, whereas maybe the Rays would have moved on from all of their good players at a certain point. But he wasn't really signing the top free agent. He wasn't going and getting Bryce Harper. He wasn't keeping Manny Machado. He made the the Darvish trade, but you know, generally was trying to hoard prospects and that has worked out in many cases. And in the few cases where they didn't, you know, where you trade Jordan Alvarez, who was not seen as really that type of prospect at the time, but has obviously blossomed in Houston. Anyway, it's a a different market, different competitive imperatives. And clearly these smart and rich teams are trying to pluck people from the smart and not-so-high-spending team, which it would be nice if they were hiring those people because they were smart and saying, here, go wild, you know, blank check, or, you know, not quite, like, don't make... Really ill advised moves because you can afford to now, but also don't feel like you necessarily have to trade the second yeah. best player in baseball to get under the competitive balance tax threshold. So it's sort of like raise type behavior with a non raise type team.
1: I guess I just don't like, look, I'm not a billionaire. If I had a if I were a billionaire and owned a baseball team, I'd probably make a lot of really bad financial decisions in the other direction. I, it would be like like let's get some Elich going up in here. But I guess the part of it that I continue to just not understand is like what are we doing? What is the point of this exercise for you? And mm-hmm. the point appears to just be making money and that's like an easy answer, but it's kind of a bummer because Like, the run of success the Red Sox have had, it should be what teams are striving for. Like, Mm -hmm. they've won four titles in 15 years. Like, we're sustainably successful. And I know that there have been peaks and valleys in there. And they've been a team that has, more than a lot of other teams, seem to do high highs and low lows. And there's been this oscillation. And that's all fine. But, like, this is what are we doing? Mm Mm-hmm. Why are we here
0: Right Yeah Because You can look long term But it's Pretty inarguable That the Red Sox Have hurt their chances To contend Correct In 2020 And yeah. those were not Inconsiderable chances Like right. if you looked at the Fangraph's projections Before this trade was made Like They were right In the same neighborhood As the Yankees And the Rays And I know that Coming off the season Where they Lost a lot of wins And they Underperformed And, and didn't make the playoffs Things you know, you might be down on them and there's managerial uncertainty. They they don't have a manager right now. That's not ideal in February. But still, there was a really good competitive core here. And there are a lot of players on that team who are really, you know, at the peak of their powers right now. And you are essentially squandering that year. It's not as if they couldn't possibly contend with the players that they have in Verdugo and Gratterall, but it's certainly less likely than it was with Mookie Betts and David Price. So that's, you know, if you're the Red Sox, I mean, it's like the Dodgers. They really have seemed to make it a goal to contend every year. Yeah. And, you know, they, they want to be the division favorite every year. They have been the division favorite every year under Friedman. And, Granted, they have had less competition than the Red Sox. They're not in the same division as the Yankees and the Rays. But still, like, if you swapped these two franchises, if you put them in the others division, I know, as we were just saying, it's not like the the Dodgers were insensitive to financial matters here. but. It's kind of hard to imagine the Dodgers trading Mookie Betts if they had him to get under that competitive balance tax threshold.
1: Yeah, I think that they are not indifferent to the CBT, and so I don't mean to give them more credit than they are due, but they are seemingly less sensitive then then certainly Boston has proven themselves to be in this case so mm-hmm. you know we should say the list of people who are having a bad day does involve and include fans and interested parties in the San Diego Padres and the Arizona yeah. Diamondbacks right. who have to just be sitting there being like Boston what <laughs> what what are we doing here what are you <laughs> and it <Yeah. laughs> it is probably revealing in terms of the sort of the quality and level of prospect that that San Diego was offering in their in their proposed deal. I imagine that they were probably much less interested in taking on price in addition to bets and so would have had to sort of make up that difference in prospect value and seemingly did not do that. Yeah. But now they have to be sitting there going, but we were just
0: yeah and the diamondbacks
1: are like but we were just
0: right yeah it's it's not that i think that the diamondbacks had a great chance of winning this division before this trade and certainly the padres didn't but it it was more imaginable than it is now but also the padres probably came pretty close to getting bets themselves and in terms of just what would make baseball more entertaining to an impartial fan, I guess you could argue either way because uh, I think it's nice that Betts is going to another market where he will be in the spotlight and yeah. he'll be on a team that's playing in the playoffs. So, and we just talked about how fun that lineup is. So, <sighs> it's it's pretty fun to have Mookie on the Dodgers or frankly any team for that matter. <laughs> Mookie's yeah. just fun wherever he goes. Yeah, he's he's not a product of the. The team, his fun is inherent, but it would have been pretty interesting if bets had gone to the Padres, too, because yeah. if you put bets on the Padres, and I understand why they didn't. I don't know exactly what the Red Sox were asking for, but because it's the Padres, uh, you know, Will Myers maybe would have been involved, but right. there would have been other compelling prospects, too. And the Padres are not quite in the position that the Dodgers are where they are. The pennant favorite before this trade was made right. So they're in the division with the Dodgers even if the Padres had Traded for bets the Dodgers would Still be favored in yep. the NL West So I get it I get why They didn't have the, the Same motivation to do this but Would have been pretty fun if you had added Mookie Betts to what is already a pretty fun team and leveled the playing field a little bit in that division. Again, still, Dodgers would have been the favorite, but you could have started to really dream on the Padres in addition Mm -hmm. to the Diamondbacks and, you know, would have put a little pressure on the Dodgers, which the Dodgers have not made the big move in, in recent years, even the way that the Red Sox have. like Yeah. The Red Sox, you know, the the sale trade and the price signing and, I mean, the the moves that Dave Dabrowski made that uh, the Red Sox have decided that they probably don't want to make anymore, those moves were really go-for-it-win-now type trades that the Dodgers have, you know, sort of have held off from until now for the most part. But that's because no one was pushing the Dodgers the way that the Red Sox division rivals were pushing them. and. That's just the the fact of the matter. The Dodgers, without making that huge splash, have won the division for several years in a row. Yeah. And you know, except for what one time, didn't really come close to not doing that. So it's just a a different reality there that they haven't really had the same competitive pressure.
1: Right? Yeah. Mm.
0: Well, yes, <laughs> we've. Covered it. Uh, sorry, we've neglected the the twins' angle and the hey, angels' good job, twins. angle here. I mean, yeah, you know, sure,
1: good good job, twins. Um, yeah, I guess. You know, that's <laughs> that's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a it's a win win now kind of move from the twins. So, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, when you're assessing the win-nowedness of a trade, a two out of three ain't bad. That's Mm -hmm. not satisfying because the one that's not trying to win is really bumming us out. But, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, like – now that that rotation is fortified somewhat uh, and we'll get reinforcements later on in the season when Paneda comes back from his suspension and when Rich Hill is fully back from his elbow surgery. And so that's good. But now the rotation there will be Burius and Odorizzi and Maeda and Bailey and probably Randy Dobnak, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that. That's nice. Mm -hmm. It's good to have, you know, it's good to have a Kenta Maeda in there. Yeah. And good job to all the Dodgers prospects. You just get to continue to live in Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeah. Shocking, (laughs) truly, Mm -hmm. that you're all still there. Yep. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, you know, Mookie would have looked good in a Padres uniform, too. I think the thing about it is that Mookie just uh, has good – he just has a good baseball player way about him. So uh, Mm -hmm. he's going to look compelling in baseball uniforms because he's fun to watch. Yep. Yeah, People look good in Dodger Blue, though. Man.
0: Speaking of lineups that are pretty good top to bottom, the Angels lineup is yeah. uh, it's a pretty good unit. Let me just yeah. read the—I don't know if this is uh, exactly how the batting order will be, but on the Fangraph's roster resource depth chart, it goes Jock Peterson, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani, Justin Upton, Albert Pujols, Tommy Lastella, Andrelton Simmons, Jason Castro— that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that's not bad at all. And I think there is uh, something of a log jam in the Angels outfield potentially at some point this season. But I don't think that this move, you know, like blocks Joe Adele no. in a serious way because uh, Adele's knocking on the door, but he's not knocking that loudly. Like no. he's uh, he's 20 years old and he just got to AAA toward the end of last season and didn't hit well there and then played in the fall league. And did okay, but it's not like he is demanding to be on this roster on opening day. No. Jack Peterson's a, a good player, and this gives them the opportunity not to rush Adele, and you know, Upton's coming off a, a down year too, and Peterson's just there for one year, so I yeah. think he, he fits in fine. It's just that the pitching, <laughs> that rotation is still headlined by Julio Tehran. So that's yeah, it's yeah, not that's, ideal. That I mean, I, still I guess it's headlined by Otani, but uh, yeah. Otani may not be able to pitch that many innings. So yeah, they'll have to be careful <laughs> with him.
1: Yeah. I, I like that move for, uh, for the other LA, for Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Mm, they get mad yep. about that. Cause yeah, it doesn't, you know, Peterson will be a free agent after the end of the season. And so you're right. He doesn't block Adele. He doesn't get in the way of Brandon Marsh. Whenever Marsh is ready, he's his time timeline is presumably a little bit longer but he's looked really good. So uh yeah, I think that's a that's a good move. When when I heard that when we heard that it might be a four team trade and that Los Angeles might be involved, I was like, "Oh, maybe LA will the other LA will get David Price somehow." And <laughs> that would be so nifty and mm-hmm. I didn't
0: That's not what happened Right At first the stripling part of the trade was not reported It just seemed to be Peterson for Renjifo And it was like well You'd think right in a deal where Pitching is changing teams And the Angels are sort of involved Like you'd hope that They maybe would have found a way to get one of those pitchers But they did get Ross Stripling Who's a pretty good pitcher In fact I said that the Angels rotation was headlined By Julio Tehran I think Stripling is probably better than Tehran So I don't know Ross Stripling Angels ace It's funny He was sort of A swingman With the Dodgers Who couldn't always Keep a rotation spot With the Angels I think that will be Considerably easier If that's what he Wants to do So They that's got so better fair. Runs or runs Runs or runs That's <laughs> true They can try to Score more runs Than the other team Even if they're Giving up a lot of runs And yeah Renhifo is A, a young Utility type player And mm-hmm. I don't know Where he fits With the Dodgers Because they have A million guys But he didn't Fit that well With the Angels After the Ren- Don't signing either because they've got Rendon they've got Listella, and they've got Fletcher and I yeah he you know Simmons obviously so that's a pretty crowded infield too so yeah
1: he he had a a hand or a wrist injury I think last year that was not unseriously like i think he did time on the 60 day injured list i i say all of this because um he has the the great honor of having once been a mariners prospect and also a very late sim league draft guy of mine in the one thing that i the one sim league i'm doing i won't yep. talk about it ever again cuz no one cares um but i i don't think that uh they'll figure it out cuz he might just uh, need more time to be fully healthy anyhow so
0: mm-hmm. all right well, I guess we've covered it. <laughs> we could keep talking, but people are probably hungry to get this in their ears and hear us talk yeah. about Mookie Pets, So we will not delay longer than we have to. Just uh, scanning to see if there's any new news since we started talking. Oh,
1: yeah. Is there anything new?
0: Pete Rose asks MLB for reinstatement. Oh, good gravy. S- nope. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Let's, let's not. <laughs> let's, we're going to just
1: hard pass our way through that one.
0: <laughs> okay. And
1: I, well, I have one final thing and then I'll yeah. go. Would, would it have made any difference in terms of the PR response to this? And I, I think my answer is no, but I'm curious for yours. Would it have made any difference if they had just dropped this in the middle mm. of the Super Bowl? Oh. <laughs> would they well, have gotten some cover for a day or two, Boston?
0: It would not have made a difference for us. No, it would but, not. Uh, it I mean, I would have, have been it... very annoyed, to be yeah. clear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a nightmare scenario that was discussed internally at mm-hmm. the ringer, but uh, they spared us that, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, I I guess so. Like, I, I guess the fact that that is typically the biggest sports story of the year and the game yeah. had a, a big ending and come from behind and all that that uh, could only crowd out any other sports related news but it's not like boston fans would have felt any differently or complained yeah. any less so <laughs>
1: i think it's good i think it's good that you just have to you just have to endure being you know Pilloried by baseball types, regardless when you trade a recent MVP, except for those two executives in the American League who are super excited <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> for financial yeah. flexibility. I wonder if
0: they're Red Sox executives. <laughs> I assume Ken would not quote Red Sox executives. Probably not. But uh, <laughs>
2: uh, good
0: gravy. Oh, okay. He clarified in a subsequent tweet that it's rival executives, yes. not, not Red Sox executives. Let me ask you another question about okay. the, the PR percentage what if this had just happened without the months of buildup without them kind of trying to condition us to expect us what if we had you know woken up to news that hey Mookie Betts traded to the Tatars now what would that have done to the reaction
1: I don't think that it would have changed things all that much because I think it's just too obvious the motivations are too transparent and I think those motivations rightly bother us. And so I think that it's just one of those trades that it's pretty hard to PR your way out of. And I think that's probably a good thing Mm because it would be concerning if if you could i guess yeah but no i don't think building up to it i don't think building up to it changes it dramatically because the motivation to get below the competitive balance tax was an obvious one i mean like their choice of general manager or whatever um, Bloom's title is it's not mm-hmm. that it's a it's an eye-rolly title inflation
0: officer yeah
1: yeah oh. you're really like, oh, all right <laughs> baseball is very funny I'm not making fun of him I'm making fun yes. of title inflation to be clear he didn't pick mm-hmm. that I would imagine I think that when that's your choice your path through the winter is those sort of general contours of it are pretty obvious so mm-hmm. no I don't think that that would have changed things too dramatically you know yeah
0: Yeah, it's someone asked you in your chat yesterday about like, at this point, was that situation unsalvageable anyway, like after months and months of rumors and the Red Sox making it clear that Betts was on the block? Could they even have kept him at that point, or would the, the feelings be so frayed that it, it just wouldn't work? And I think you rightly responded that, no, you could keep him. You no, you say. can just you <laughs> can
1: just always keep a Mookie Betts. Yeah. The thing yeah. <laughs> about it is, once you have a Mookie Betts, you mm-hmm. can just always hold on to him and yeah. hug him tight, you know, right. as long as he's a hugging person. I don't know, but, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you can I'll just, just always do that, and it'll always be okay.
0: Yeah, just say the right offer wasn't out there because he is the second best player in baseball, yeah. essentially. And uh, I think everyone would have accepted that. I mean, he might still have sure. had his feelings hurt by being shopped around, sure. but I, I think it would have been okay. Yeah. So yeah, if this had broken out of nowhere with no warning, it would have been more more shocking in a concentrated way. Like our yes. our shock was sort of distributed over a longer time period, but if this was one of those situations where you make something public I don't know if they made their feelings so public. I think they probably regretted John Henry essentially yeah. saying that he just wanted to save money because he yeah. he later tried to walk that back, but he had already sort of said it. So. Can't unring
1: the bell, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that was not the best messaging. But if this was one of those cases where it's like, well, we'll we'll float this publicly to see what the reaction is – well, the reaction was pretty negative, yeah. <laughs> so they they knew what they were going to get when they made this deal, and they still made it. Yep. so
1: yep, they knew mm-hmm. they knew, and if they didn't, then that's pretty goofy, but I think they knew, and then uh and then they went and did it anyway. and so, yeah. for the first time in a long time, I feel genuine sympathy. For Red Sox fans who've just had it real good and now Mm -hmm. have it worse in a way that was preventable. And that's a bummer. Yeah. But again, we're happy for Kenta.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he's happy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, for Bloom, like I assume he knew that this would be one of his duties when he took the job. So it's not like he went into this not knowing that. And I don't know what his feelings about the trade are, but... That's not the easiest assignment either. Yeah. Hey, you're hired now. Trade, Go trade. beloved, <laughs> one of the best players in baseball, World Series winning Mookie Betts. Yeah, have fun because you know i I would think Red Sox fans are uh, aware enough to know that this probably would have happened with or without Heimblum. but still to be the guy. Who made that trade that, uh, you know, potentially sticks with you.
1: Yeah, I imagine that that'll go just fine for him because fans are famously rational and (laughs) tempered, especially in Boston.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. Well... Glad I got the opportunity for midweek Meg. That's always fun.
1: Always fun. And
0: uh, we'll be back to the regularly scheduled season preview podcast next time out. But uh, this warranted a little break. Oh, in yeah. The, <laughs> in the schedule. So, yes. all right. We did it. Mookie did bets, it. the Red Sox did it, and we discussed it. There we go. All right, that will do it for today. Thank you for listening, especially if you're a Red Sox fan, because this probably wasn't the easiest listen. In fact, we've already received multiple emails from Red Sox fans asking us for advice on picking a new team. So that tells you how this is going over with at least a few fans. Any Yankees fans who were celebrating the departure of Mookie Betts from the AL East got some bad news. After Meg and I spoke, it was announced that James Paxton will be out three to four months after back surgery. So that would probably take him to May or June, even if he has no setback. A lot easier to live with when you have Garrett Cole, but still not great news. And while we're talking about ALE's teams, I wonder how many more high-level Rays executives would have to be hired by other teams for Jeff to be GM of the Rays. Still a few people ahead of him, but he must be moving up the org chart. You can support Effectively Wild on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. The following five listeners have already signed up to pledge some small monthly amount and help keep the podcast going. Wes Payne, Jordan Schusterman, Garrett Pack, Andrew Jones and Michael West thanks to all of you you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com group/ effectively wild as you might imagine there's a lot of muoky bets discussion going on in there. Can rate, review, and subscribe to Effectively Wild on iTunes and other podcast platforms. Keep your questions and comments for me and Meg and Sam coming via email at podcast at vangrafts.com or via the Patreon messaging system if you are a supporter. Thanks to Dylan Higgins for getting up early and his editing assistance. And we will be back with another team preview podcast next time, tentatively Padres and White Sox, which should be a fun one and would have been a very different one if the Padres had traded for Mookie. That will be the last show of this week, and we bring it to you soon. Talk to you then. Here it comes